0: The following audio is from Two Pillars Church, a gospel-centered, missionally-focused church located in Lincoln, Nebraska. More information about Two Pillars Church can be found at www.twopillarschurch.com. Well, every music album has an opening track, right? The opening track, it, it grabs the listener's attention, doesn't it? It it sets the tone for the album to follow, and it it prepares the listener for for the tracks that follow. Show me a a truly great album, and I'll show you a great opening song. That's, That's just the way these things tend to work. But As important as a solid opening track is, the, the closing track, the closing song is also uh, very important. That's because the, the closing track brings the listener's journey that started with the, the first track. It, be, it, it, it brings that journey to a close, to an end. It's, it's the last thing the listener will hear from that album. It's the, the final impression made by the artist. It's the, the last music, it's the last beat the last lyrics that will run through the listener's head. And it, it has the job of taking the listener to a, a final destination and then leaving them with something. And so today we have arrived at Psalm 134, which is the closing track for the Psalms of Ascent. And throughout this sermon series, we have beat this music metaphor to death, haven't we? Um, and and, and it, it isn't necessarily a metaphor because these are, in fact, songs, right? We, we've said that the, the Psalms of Ascent are a playlist for pilgrims, literally sung by God's people as they made their pilgrimage up to Jerusalem for the three major feasts every year. And so these were songs that were literally sung as they ascended the Mount to Jerusalem. But metaphorically, the, the Psalms of Ascent guided uh, the, the pilgrims in this day and, and guides Christian pilgrims today like you and me as we make our own faith journeys. Growing in godliness and maturity. And, and it guides us as we anticipate the full and final fulfillment of the promises that God has made to us in Christ our King. These promises that we'll, He will one day return to fulfill. The, the promise that He will one day return to consummate His kingdom and usher in the new heavens and the new earth. Now while the, this phrase, a, a playlist for pilgrims, rolls off the tongue Nicely, that's why we chose this tag, this tag phrase, uh, a playlist for pilgrims. I, I actually think it would be more accurate to refer to the Psalms of Ascent as an album for pilgrims. All right? we, we, live in a, we live in a world of, of Spotify and Apple Music, don't we? Right? Where the playlist rules. A playlist is, is curated not by the artist himself or herself, but the, uh, a playlist is curated by the listener, by the listener according to the tastes and preferences of that listener. Now, th- there's nothing wrong with listening to music in this way. It's, it's, it's perfectly fine, but an album is different. You see, listening to an album is a, a distinctly different experience because an album has been carefully written, and produced and arranged by the artist or the artists. right And, and, and so in a in a good album, the listener again the, the listener is taken on a journey a, a journey that's been carefully and meticulously planned out by its authors. And so in, in this way, the Psalms of Ascent are less like a playlist and more like an album. That's because they've been written by God, breathed out by God himself as he carried along human authors by his Holy Spirit. And not only have they been written and inspired by God, but they've also been curated and arranged by God. You see, these 15 Psalms, including their order and arrangement, are inspired Scripture. And so let's Let's revisit the album briefly. It began with the opening track, Psalm 120, which is a psalm of lament written by a psalmist who is living in exile in a strange land far from home. And so the tone for the journey is set by this lament in Psalm 120. It leaves us wanting Wanting and, and needing a, a helper. That brings us to Psalm 121. And we see that, that help for the journeying pilgrim comes from the Lord. You remember this? That comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth, a, a phrase that we see in our psalm this morning. Help comes from the Lord who neither slumbers nor sleeps, who is our keeper, who keeps our life from this time forth and forevermore. And then Psalm 122, which captures the joy of returning home to Jerusalem and anticipates this return home to Jerusalem where the Lord dwells and where his Davidic king sits on the throne, a throne of justice. In Psalm 123, we read that the, the psalmist has had more than enough. Do you remember Joe Marino from, from The Well preached this passage? The psalmist has had more than enough, more than enough of the, the scorn and contempt of the proud so what does he do? He, he lifts his eyes to the Lord who was enthroned in the heavens and he appeals to the Lord for mercy. Psalm 124, the psalmist remembers that because the Lord is on his side, because the Lord is on the side of his people, they have time and time and time again been delivered. Time and time and time again, his people have been preserved. Psalm 125. We see that those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion. While those who turn from Him will be led away with the wicked. This was good news for those who had grown tired from more than enough of of scorn and contempt in the previous psalm. Psalm 126 then anticipates This day, this this coming day when the fortunes of God's people would one day be restored. And then we arrived at Psalm 127 which stands in the very center of these 15 Psalms of Ascent. And and you could argue captures the main emphasis and thrust of the entire collection of the Psalms of Ascent. It, It reminds us It reminds God's people that unless the Lord builds his house, unless the Lord fulfills his promises, then we all labor in vain. And instead, we we, we don't work separately from God or independently from him, but we work instead because the Lord works. We work because the Lord is at work. Psalm 128 Reminds us that, oh, that those who fear the Lord will be blessed by the Lord. And then Psalm 129, which is a declaration of confidence in the face of affliction. A declaration of confidence in the, in the face of affliction, trusting in a just God who blesses the righteous who trust him and brings curse. Upon the wicked. That brought us then to Psalm 130, where the psalmist cried out to the Lord, confessing the depths of his own sinfulness, trusting that the Lord will redeem him and his people and forgive all their sin. Remember, we, we saw the, the psalmist waiting as a watchman for the morning. Psalm 131, the the psalmist, this time King David, shows us how a, a calm, quiet soul results from a humble faith in the Lord. Psalm 132 recounts a promise made by David to the Lord and a promise made by the Lord to David, and, and it reminded us that our hope is not in the labor of, of human hands, but in the promises of a faithful God. We saw that the Lord brought about a fulfillment not only of his promise, but of David's promise to him. We, we also saw that Jesus is, Jesus is the yes and amen to the promises made in the psalm, both the promise of David and the promise of the Lord to David. And then last week, Pastor Craig preached Psalm 133, which tells us of the beauty and the blessings of the unity of God's people whom he has set aside and claimed for himself. That then brings us to Psalm 134. Remember, the closing track on an album, in addition to bringing the listener's journey to an end, is, is the last thing a listener will hear from the album. It's the, the final impression made by the album. It has a job of, of leaving the listener with something, of, of taking the listener to a final destination. And so Psalm 134 is the closing track of the Psalms of Ascent, and I, I think that the impression that it intends to make upon us is this. Psalm 134 calls a Christian both to a recognition and an expectation of God's blessing. This is the final impression that the author wants to leave us with. In this album, Psalm 134 calls a Christian to both a a recognition and an expectation of God's blessing. And so let's dive in to the first two verses here. We read in in verse 1, Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Now, we, we see that these first two verses are directed to all you servants of the Lord, most directly, this is referring to the Levites and the priests who served the Lord and ministered to His people in the house of God, in the tabernacle, uh, eventually in the temple. And We get some insight into what this service, what this ministry might have looked like in First Chronicles 23. I'll have it for you here on the screen. We read this, for David said, the Lord, the God of Israel has given rest to his people and he dwells in Jerusalem forever. God's people had arrived at home. And so the Levites no longer need to carry the tabernacle or any of the things for its service. Gone are the days of of wandering and sojourning through the wilderness. Verse 28. For their duty was to assist the sons of Aaron for the service of the house of the Lord. Talking again about the Levites here. Having the care of the courts and the chambers. Cleansing all that is holy in any work for the service of the house of God. Their duty, again the Levites and the priests, was also to assist with the showbread, the flour, For the grain offering, the wafers of unleavened bread, the baked offering, the offering mixed with oil, and all measures of quantity and size. And then we read this in verse 30. Lots lots of duties that they're given. And then in verse 30, And they were to stand every morning, thanking and praising the Lord, and likewise at evening. And whenever the burnt offerings were offered, to the Lord on Sabbaths, new moons, and feast days, according to the number required of them regularly before the Lord. Thus they were to keep charge of the tent of meeting and the sanctuary and to attend the sons of Aaron and their brothers for the service of the house of the Lord. Service to the Lord. Day and night. Every morning the, the Levites would stand... Thanking and praising the Lord. And then every evening, when the rest of God's people were preparing to retire for the day, the Levites would stand, once again, thanking and praising the Lord. When burnt offerings were being offered on, on the Sabbath day and for feasts, they would stand, thanking and praising the Lord. So then, let's go back to our first two verses in Psalm 134. With this context in mind, come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, you priests, you Levites, who stand by night in the house of the Lord, thanking Him, praising Him. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Come, servants of the Lord, this this is your act of service. Bless the Lord, and, and not just silently to yourself. This isn't just a a hard exercise as you go about the rest of your day, but they were to take the very posture of blessing. They were to, to embody blessing, raising their hands to the Lord and blessing Him. And so what we have here is both an invitation and a command to offer blessing, it's, it's an invitation and a command to offer thanksgiving and praise to the Lord. And while the, the invitation and the command is spoken directly to the Levites and the priests, I would argue that this isn't an invitation and a command only for the priests and the Levites. But we we can make a a really strong and solid case that it includes all of God's people, the contemporaries of of the psalmist to be sure, but God's people here and now as well. Not not just God's people then, but also God's people today. So that means that if, if you're a Christian, if you've trusted in Christ, then you're a servant of the Lord. Remember that if if you belong to Jesus, then God's word says that you're a part of a royal priesthood. So then Psalm 134 is an invitation and a command to all Christians to offer praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. Praise and thanksgiving to the Lord for the many blessings that he poured out on his people. And look, we're not just talking about rare and occasional blessings. We're not talking about once a week on the Sabbath blessings as we sit here in the sanctuary. We're we're talking about regular, repeated, ongoing, daily, nightly blessing and praising and thanksgiving to the Lord. We're, We're talking about a regular, ongoing rhythm of blessing. This is what we're invited to. This is what we are called to as God's people. But look, look it's, it's even more than that though, isn't it? Because before we can bless the Lord, before we can give Him praise and thanksgiving, we first need to be able to recognize what we're praising Him and giving thanks to Him for, don't we? You see, verse 1 and 2 they don't just call us to bless the Lord, but they call us to a, a recognition of God's blessing already received. They call us to be fluent in the blessings of God. And they ask us the question really, do do we have eyes to see God's blessings? Do we have eyes to see God's blessings? And it asks us this question, no matter what our current circumstances hold, regardless of, of our current present-day circumstances, we, we, have, we have countless reasons to bless the Lord. Do, do we have eyes to see them? Do, do we recognize the Lord's blessing in our life? And look, so, so often, the answer to this question is no, isn't it? And look, this is a problem that goes all the way back to the beginning of our Bibles in Genesis chapter three. Genesis chapter three, that the serpent confronts Eve. And, and as he does, he shifts Adam and Eve's eyes from the abundant and overflowing blessings that had been given to them by the Lord, and instead focuses, focuses them on the one thing that had been withheld, right? And so they're given this glorious, wonderful, delicious, lush garden with all the food and the fruit that they could possibly desire, that they could possibly eat. They they were given everything they needed to be satisfied as they walked in fellowship with their God in the the cool of this wonderful place. And, and, And the serpent comes along. And he shifts their gaze from from that provision from the Lord, which was good, to the the, the one thing, the one thing that he said, but not that. And as he does, if you go back and you read the Genesis 3 account, as he does, you'll notice that he paints the Lord out to be not the protagonist of the story, but he says, no, no. The Lord is the antagonist. The Lord is, he's the bad guy in this scenario. Why? Because he's holding out on you. Forget all these blessings. What about that one tree? And so look, if, if you struggle to recognize God's blessings in your life, know that you're, you're not alone. That's, that's because since that day in the garden, man has struggled to see and to recognize and to acknowledge all the blessings that are his given to him by the Lord. And since that day, look, some of us tend to focus. Can we just be honest about this? Some of us tend to focus far more on the negative And uh, we tend to be rather pessimistic. In our, in our pessimism, it blinds us to the blessings of God in our lives. My wife and I have this conversation all the time. Kaylee calls me a pessimist. I say that I'm a realist. Regardless of how you see that, right, my, my pessimism or, or maybe my, my realism, it, it has this, this way of, of blinding me to the blessings of God, which are, are freely mine this pessimism that, that causes us to believe the lie that, look, there's, there's nothing to bless the Lord for this day because life today is, is underwhelming. Life today is full of disappointment. If we're honest, we have moments when, like in the garden, we too see God as the antagonist. And we catch ourselves Maybe not saying out loud, but but, but thinking. He's holding out on me. He's not giving me blessing today. Or maybe, maybe we're just overwhelmed by life circumstances. Maybe you're in a difficult season of life. Maybe you're, you're in an overwhelming season of life facing suffering and trial maybe it has to do with broken relationships maybe like so many in our in our body it's it's a chronic disease or illness that every day when you pull yourself out of bed it tempts you to believe the lie that the blessings of god haven't been freely lavished upon you that day? Maybe you're a type A who's always focused on the next goal. Right? And so once you accomplish a thing your eyes are immediately set to the next thing and you never actually take a moment to stop and to bless the Lord for the thing that, that He just gave you in this, this accomplishment here. Or in this season of life there. Maybe it's familiarity. I I, I think the familiarity breeds forgetfulness. Familiarity, sometimes it it causes us to forget how truly blessed we are. It causes us to, to forget where the blessings come from. It causes us to forget our dependence upon Jesus and upon His Spirit. And so we become familiar with the Gospel. We become familiar with the Scriptures. And We fail to be struck by them. We we fail to be moved by them. We fail to be blown away by them. We we fail to bless the Lord because of the ways in which He has blessed us. And look, sometimes you just just don't feel like it. I I just don't feel like blessing the Lord today. I wonder if you've ever felt that way. And look, when we don't feel like doing something, we typically don't do the thing we don't feel like doing. Right? Right? But that, that's not what the psalmist is saying here. That verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 134, these aren't uh, like an, an, exclam, an exclamation of, of momentary or joy of happiness. This isn't something that we get to do when we're just kind of overwhelmed by God's blessing in any given moment. It's, it's an imperative command day and night to bless God. The Lord. It's an an invitation day and night to bless the Lord. But look, unfortunately, this doesn't come naturally to many of us, myself included. And I, I do want to say this: that Psalm 134 isn't asking any of us to ignore difficult circumstances. Psalm 134 isn't asking any of us to ignore the pain of suffering or or to leave it behind it doesn't mean that you have to look happy all the time it doesn't even mean you have to be happy all the time it doesn't mean that you have to be fake or that you have to like contrive this sense of a blessing but regardless of your personality regardless of your disposition or your circumstances regarding, or regardless of the trials you may be facing, right now, the psalm tells us that we should be a people who bless the Lord, and, and the reasons that we have to bless the Lord are countless. We need only look to Jesus, in whom we've received. Paul tells us in Ephesians, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as we sit here today, do you know that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places is yours if you've trusted in him? Is this not enough blessing from God to fuel our blessing of God for the rest of our lives? But look, look let me give you a a few practical thoughts that I I think might help you and might help me grow as those who have been invited and commanded to bless God. Three tips, three practical applications here. Uh, The the first is this. Search search the Scriptures. The Scriptures are full of, of all kinds of of reasons that we might bless the Lord. And so as you're reading the Scriptures, here are three things that I encourage you to look for. Answer these three questions. Who is God? Who do the Scriptures say that God is? What do they say about His character, His nature, His attributes? Who is God? And when you find the answers, bless the Lord, that He is who His Word says that He is. Secondly, ask, what has he done? Not just who is God, but, but what has God done? I mean, in, in, in Psalm 134 here, verse 3, we see that he, he made heaven and earth. We read in, in Psalm 103 in the, the call to worship all kinds of things that the Lord has done. Or we could turn to, to John 6 and, and see that he holds on to his people never to let them go. He'll raise them up on the last day. These are all things that the Lord has done. And so as you, as you read the scriptures, search for the things that he has done for, for his people throughout the course of, of human history. Thirdly, ask the question, who, who am I because of it? Who am I because of, of who God is and because of what he has done? What, what is my identity as one of the people of God? I'm, I'm chosen. I'm, I'm beloved. I'm blessed. I'm secure. I'm a, a son or daughter of the Most High. I'm a part of the bride of Christ. And we could go on and on and on and on. And so search the scriptures and allow the scriptures to fuel your praise and your thanksgiving. Allow the, allow the scriptures to drive you to bless the Lord. Secondly, Search your own life. The late Eugene Peterson writes this in, in the book that we've gone back to multiple times through this series, Along Obedience in the Same Direction. He says, a book on God has for its title, the one who stands, stoops, and stays. That summarizes the posture of blessing, the blessing that we receive from God. It's threefold, he says. God stands. He's foundational and dependable. God stoops. He kneels to our level and meets us where we are. God stays. He sticks with us through hard times and good, sharing his life life with us in grace and peace. And so ask yourself this question, in what ways has God stood in my life? In what ways has God proven himself to be foundational and dependable in my life, in the life of the brothers and sisters around me? Ask yourself, how has God stooped? How has he condescended, knelt down at my level, at our level? How has he met me where I am? Begin first with the incarnation when he took on human flesh and lived on earth among us died a death on a cross for us. Then ask the question, how does God stay? How does God stay in your life? How has He stuck with you through hard times, through good times? How has He stuck with you even in your worst moments, even in your darkest seasons? How has He shared His life with you? How has He made His presence in you known and felt. So search the scriptures, search your own life, and then thirdly and finally, set a rhythm. Just like the priests and the Levites in the temple, as they were serving the Lord, they they had a rhythm. I want to encourage us to, to set a rhythm of blessing the Lord for ourselves. Take time in the morning perhaps and in the evenings, to to bless the Lord. Bless the Lord. First thing when you wake up, cry out to Him in prayer and and bless Him and and bless the Lord before you go to sleep. Make it a point to to bless the Lord before you eat meals. This isn't a a simple recitation of a rote prayer. But take an opportunity to, to bless the Lord for who He is, for what He has done, and for who you are because of it. Do this around the dinner table. Maybe you create a journal for yourself that has a single purpose to be filled with thanks and praise for the Lord and to document all of the blessings that he's poured out upon you and upon us as his people. I'll give you one example of what this looks like for me. Um, in, in, in our staff meetings every week, Monday at, at two o'clock, we, we have a staff meeting and um, it is our tendency, uh, has been our tendency in the past in the staff meeting to just get like right down to business. I mean, it is a staff meeting after all, right? And a staff meeting, that kind of sounds like a place where you would do business. And one of the things that we do, for example, is we'll take a look at the, the, the previous Sunday service and make some, make some observations, what went well, what didn't go well, and which of those two lists do you think has the longer list of items under it? Like the things that didn't go well, right? Because that's just that's what that's what it at least for me that that's what I have eyes to see, right? I have these eyes that can pick out all the little details that didn't go. Quite right, either in, in, in my sermon, in our liturgy, and the, the service, in preparation for the service. And so, one of the things that we did with our staff meeting is, is we set out to, to create a rhythm of blessing. And so, the first thing that we do every staff meeting is we, we make a list of evidences of God's grace from the week prior. What is it that we had a front row seat to see God do in our lives, in the life of the church around us? And look, some weeks it's really hard, and, and some weeks this actually, this rhythm actually drives us to, to repent of, of, of our blindness to the blessings of God, but we do it every single week, and it's, it's a rhythm of blessing in our life, and, and, and I, I would encourage you to set your own rhythms of blessing, and so search the scriptures, search your own life. Set a rhythm. And, and look, this is going to come e- more easy, this is going to come easier uh, for some of us than it will for others. But look, that, that's not because he is any more or any less worthy a blessing from one person to another. And, and, and let me submit this. If, if your heart won't bless the Lord today, if you just, if you just can't go there today, if you just can't muster blessing today, then you probably have some business to do with the Lord. You probably have some repenting to do before the Lord. And so let me, let me suggest a good place for you to start, if that's you today. Maybe a, a good place to start in terms of blessing the Lord would be here. That you would bless the Lord who sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ, to to die on a cross in order that you and I might receive forgiveness for our blindness, our blindness to his His goodness. That we might receive forgiveness for our, our blindness to his love and his glory. That we might receive forgiveness for our blindness to his majesty and his, his kindness, to his power, and to his wisdom, to his protection, and his provision, to his sustaining grace and ongoing presence with us, to the many blessings that he has poured out upon us and will continue to pour out upon us. Maybe that's a good place for you to start today. And look, look, Psalm 134 doesn't just call us to bless the Lord, but it also sends us away with, with a promise of sorts. It, it sends us away with an expectation. You see, we're called to bless the Lord, and also we're giving some, we're, we are given something that, that we too can expect. You see, it, it calls us to bless the Lord, and then we are allowed to receive God's blessing. Look at verse 3, Psalm 134. May the Lord bless you from Zion, he who made heaven and earth. You see, while verses 1 and 2 are directed to the priests and the Levites, verse 3 is directed to the collective people of God. Not only has God blessed you with every spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, Christian, but he will continue to bless you from this day forward into the future. And as one commentator points out, because our God who blesses us is the maker of heaven and earth, the blessings of God follow the people of God wherever they go, wherever they live. Two pillars in Christ, we have been given the promise of future blessing. In Him, we have been blessed. In Him, we are being blessed. And this is the hope we've been left with in the final verse of Psalm 134. In Christ, we will be blessed. If you've trusted in Him, then this blessing can't be hidden from you. It can't be taken away from you. And you can't outrun it. Now, As we wrap up here today, one one last observation I want to make, and that is this. I think this blessing from verse 3 in our text here refers back to a, a very similar blessing that we see in the book of Numbers. And this is a blessing, a priestly blessing given by the Lord to Aaron and his sons to speak over the people of Israel. This is the blessing. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to Aaron and his sons saying, thus you shall bless the people of God. You shall say to them, the Lord bless you and keep you. You've heard this blessing before here, haven't you? The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name on the people of Israel and I will bless them. Brothers and sisters, in Christ, God will bless you. In Christ, He will keep you. In Christ, He will make His face to shine upon you. In Christ, He will continue to be gracious. To you In Christ, he will lift up his countenance upon you. In Christ, he will give you peace. This is the promise that Psalm 134 gives us. This is the expectation that it sends us away with. In Christ, we've been given a sure hope and expectation of blessing. Not just temporal blessing, not just here and now blessing, but eternal blessing. And one day, this hope and expectation will be fully satisfied. It will be finally fulfilled when he returns. Then the God who made the heavens and the earth will bless you. He'll bless you forever in the new heavens, in the new earth. So then, we've played the final track of our playlist. We've Play the final track of this album for us pilgrims and it, it leaves us with a call a call both to recognize and to expect God's blessing and so let me end with this question what, what do you do with any good album what do you do once you've finished it you put it on repeat don't you Don't you go back to the beginning and start it all over again? So two pillars. Here's here's my prayer for us as we close a book on this sermon series. My my prayer is this. May may you return to these psalms of ascent, these songs of of goings up, and may you return to them often. And may they guide you on your journey of faith and your pilgrimage home. To New Jerusalem, where you will one day enjoy the blessing of God's glorious presence forevermore. Let's pray. God, you are a, you are a God who, who blesses, and you don't bless sparingly, Lord, but you, you blessed us You bless us abundantly, you have blessed us abundantly, and and, and you promise us future blessing, future abundant blessing. And so Lord, give us eyes to see it all, give us eyes to recognize it, and Lord, would would you make us to be a people by your grace who bless you? Lord, would we bless you in the morning? Would we bless you in the evening? Would, you, would we bless you in the moments in between as we cling, Lord, to the expectation of future blessing in your presence, in the new creation? We pray all of this in Christ Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this audio from Two Pillars Church. Feel free to share this audio with others, but please do not alter or edit the content in any way. For more information about Two Pillars Church, please visit www.twopillarschurch.com.